I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 137 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. He is a popular pastor with a unique flavor of preaching. Ivy Marsh will be here with me in just a minute, so please stick around for the interview. I do try to keep politics and religion as low-key as possible on the podcast here, only because this show is about celebrating fatherhood and family values, and I am very grateful to have listeners representing many different religions from both sides of the aisle who support me on the show here. I am someone who keeps God first in my life. I think prayer uh, and praying together as a family is very important, but also living in a way that my children can see that I am not just going through the motions of prayer. Uh, I am definitely a work in progress. My philosophy on life has shifted pretty drastically as far as I used to be uh, someone who believed that the only way to get ahead in life was to get over. My mentality was to cheat, lie, and steal, and always make up excuses to kind of justify my behavior. I used to blame everything and everyone for why I lived the way that I did, and I was very convincing, especially to myself. I am by no means a holy roller, but I have come to find out that uh, through God, all things are possible. And as it says in Matthew 7, 7, search and you will find, ask and you will receive, knock and it will be open to you. And I am searching, asking and knocking like nobody's business. So my faith is definitely growing much stronger in the process. All right, that's that. I didn't want to bury you guys with too much of that, but I figured today's guest uh, seemed like it would be a good opportunity for me to put that out there. One scheduling update here, Titus O'Neill had some shifts in his busy lifestyle there, so I was unable to connect with him last week, but we are getting it back on the schedule, and as soon as I have a new date for that release, I will bring it to you on Instagram or Twitter, so please follow me over there, at Alec underscore Lace on Instagram, at Alec Lace on Twitter. I will give you the updates once I have that locked in and scheduled once again. And keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood for Wednesday's episode. I'm going to have powerlifting phenomenon and creator of the slingshot, Mark Bell, stopping by. And Friday, a special edition of my third collection of Navy SEAL interviews. So it's going to be a nice week for you guys. Lock it into the podcast here. Please subscribe. Tell all your friends about the podcast. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And we are going to jump right into the action right now with Ivy Marsh. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father... He is an author, a speaker, he is the lead pastor of Epic Church, and he has got a very unique approach to preaching. He has the ability of presenting complex ideas in a simple, practical manner, and he is hyper-focused on seeing our culture return to God's original creative order. It is an honor for me to say, Ivy Marsh, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Man, it is so great to be on with you today and hopefully have a really good time and Um, have a really powerful conversation revolving around fatherhood. It's my honor to be with you, sir. Okay, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have three children. Uh, My oldest is 23. He just got married, so I also have a brand new daughter in love. Uh, They've been married for about four months, so she's adjusting to the Marsh family life. (laughs) 
I have a uh, 20-year-old son who plays at the University of Auburn, and then I have a um, 15-year-old daughter who is my my princess and my sunshine. My boys accuse me of um, loving her more or her being my favorite, so I try to explain to them I don't love her more. I just love her differently. I'm raising you guys to be men, and I'm training her to uh, to be a woman to understand what kind of man she is looking for. Very cool. What type of uh, sports or activities were they all into growing up? The bo- both the boys were super active in football. So my oldest son played football in Kentucky till he blew out his shoulder, and so now he works for my brother. And my middle son is continuing his football career at the University of Auburn, and my daughter is involved in. She leads worship at our church. She's involved in dance. She takes piano lessons, and she's in vocal lessons right now. So very much into the uh, the arts, I would say. Awesome. Now, did you ever get involved with coaching at all with the boys, or did you uh, cheer them on from the sideline? Oh, no, sir. I was <laughs> all the way up through starting in um, in the South, it's called Pee Wee football. I coached them all the way through Pee Wee. I coached them in their middle school. I actually got hired on at their high school as a uh, linebacker coach and coached them up until my oldest son entered his senior year and I brought them in for a meeting and said, hey, guys, I would really like to step out and just be your dad and cheer you on instead of your coach dad. And they both understood and were cool with that transition. So um, the last year of my oldest boy's term in high school football, I just watched in the last three years of my middle son um, I just got to watch him play and not be a coach, too. So it, it was a powerful thing being a coach. I recommend that all fathers be involved at whatever level they can. If you have the expertise and uh, and the passion and you can coach, by all means do that. But there is a gift in just watching and cheering. Well said. Ivy, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Okay. I I have been married for 25 years. I have three kids. I served our country in the United States Air Force in the country of Panama and also some other countries in South America. Then I became a civilian police officer for six years um, and did everything that you can do in a civilian police environment and then left that arena of work and stepped into full-time ministry, and now I've been in the ministry for the last um, 16 years, and now I'm a lead pastor of a a fairly large multi-site church in the South um, and enjoy every every minute of it. I also have a a company that does leadership coaching called Lead Now, and I travel the country and go into uh, companies and help with basically team cohesiveness and thought processes. And then I also have a company called I Am Four, I am for exists to restore honor to manhood by teaching men to live honorably as prophet, priest, king, and warrior. Yeah, what an incredible resume, Ivy. And one thing that I speak about quite a bit on the podcast here is that it feels like to me that there's an attack in this country on the family life, on fatherhood, through our pop culture. And there's definitely a fatherless problem in our society. So I think it's important to celebrate fatherhood and to hear positive effects of being a dad. So when did fatherhood come into the picture for you? How old were you? And how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I'm 46, became a father 23 years ago. And I had no, because of my upbringing, now my dad did the best he could with the knowledge he had, but um, because of that, I had no idea the responsibility I just asked for 
by deciding to have a child. I, I knew very quickly that I was not equipped and um, wanted to leave a legacy, but did not want to leave the legacy that my family had been known for. I wanted to do something different. So just began this journey of trying to understand what would um, true real manhood slash fatherhood look like, because I do agree with you, um, fatherlessness and a lack of true manhood in the earth may be the single greatest plague that this earth has um, has had to endure in the history of creation. So I desperately want to be the best husband, the best father, the best man that I can absolutely be. Yeah, it's really so important, Ivy, to a child's upbringing to have a father figure present. The statistics are really overwhelming as far as the number of children who grow up without a dad or a male role model present in the home and how that correlates to incarcerations, teenage pregnancies, teenage suicide. And it really goes back to the fact that it takes a village to raise a child. And both roles are very necessary and important for a child's upbringing. Oh, absolutely. Um, divorce was never in our vocabulary uh, very early on because we had both come from uh, divorced families, and we knew no matter how hard it got that we were going to stay together and work it out. And first, it was because of the children, and then we, you know, we fell more in love and worked all that stuff out. But I cannot stress to whoever's listening, to myself, to you, how important it is to be present in your child's life, even, even if it's a divorce situation and it's visitation and all those things, they're still your children. It's still your son. It's still your daughter. It's still your responsibility to be present in their life. Um, even if you feel ill-equipped, um, the presence of the father sometimes is more important than the knowledge of the father. Well said. And God has also been under attack in this country. God has been removed from our school systems, removed pretty much from pop culture. So number one, Ivy, uh, what do you think is the reason for that? And how can we get our children in this social media uh, world where it seems to be all about celebrating yourself and not celebrating service to others? How do we convince our kids to put God first in their lives? Well, first, to answer the last part of that, how do I get my kids to put God first in their lives? The father of the home 100% has to model it. It can't be a philosophy. It can't be an idea. It can't be something that we do on Easter and Christmas or that we just say the blessing before supper. Um, it has to be a part of the father's lifestyle, a priority in the father's life, because children will always mirror um, what their parents live out as important. So if you truly value your relationship with God, it will be passed down to your children as long as they see it modeled. So I think, how do I get my kids to value your relationship with God? I have to model it at every level of my life and do it publicly and let them see it and let me stand for things that should be stood for. Let me give voice to things that demand a voice and, and all of those things. Why do I think it's been taken out? <clears throat> I think because um, truth has become relative. Uh, your truth is yours, your, mine is mine, and while there is a side of society that shouts the importance of tolerance, the truth is they don't value tolerance, they value selfishness, and I want to be me, and as long as you let me do that, then we're good, but as soon as we get into a actual conversation about real truth, then I'm going to accuse you of not being tolerant. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons it's been taken out, because while... God is super tolerant, super patient. He has no problem saying, okay, well, 
even though that's your choice, this is the truth and this is the way the truth leads and the way it goes, and it's ultimately your choice. The third reason is I think as society moves on, we're trying to get rid of personal responsibility. I think the Bible puts a lot of um, emphasis on personal responsibility, so I don't think they like that. I think we live in a world where people want to excuse themselves from their own actions and blame their problems on um, a plethora of things. It could be my upbringing, my race, my zip code, my um, handicap, my learning ability or disability. It can be a, a ton of things, but we don't want to take personal responsibility for our own progress in life. So all of those things piled on top of themselves cause people to push away the ultimate creator of the earth and all life on the earth because I think from Genesis to Revelation, if we're just talking about um, the Bible, then it really does speak to <clears throat> I'm a God that created everything and made a way for you to have a relationship with me through Jesus, but the truth is it's your choice, and your choice has a cause and effect um, law to it in the universe, so I need you to take res personal responsibility for your actions. Um, there's a proverb that says that a man does foolish things to ruin his life and he blames God in the end. And we can't blame God for our own unwise decisions. All right, time for a quick word from our sponsors and then back with more with Ivy Marsh. I'm Alec Lace. You're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Seat Geek. Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. NFW Watches. First Class Fatherhood has proudly partnered with NFW Watch Company, and now you could take advantage with this exclusive offer. NFW Watch Company was founded on making badass watches that help people, mostly veterans. Get over to nfwonline.com, and listeners can save 15% off their entire order, plus get free domestic shipping by entering the promo code FATHER at the checkout. NFW Watches, made by a badass with a big heart nfwonline.com and use the promo code FATHER. Yeah, great points, Ivy. And I teach CCD, and one of the things I try to tell the kids is that we're always quick to blame God when things go wrong in our life, but we never want to give him any of the credit for things like our eyesight or for our hearing or for any of these things that we did nothing to deserve. And I've heard it put this way, that the ego stands for edging God out, and there is no place where that is more relevant than with social media. It's a place where everybody is judging one another. It goes right against what we're warned in Matthew 7-1, but uh, the, the Internet is a dangerous place. So how do you or how did you manage social media time, technology time with your kids? Oh, wow. I think that's a constant struggle for all dads. Yeah. Like what's what's the balance? How can I allow them to engage in where society is moving and and all of that? So in in my home, <clears throat> of course now my two boys are out, but while they were coming up and social media was still a reality and with my fifteen year old daughter, we have a very open conversation about social media, its dangers, um and also its its um 
its positive influence on the earth if you choose to use it as a voice of encouragement and not want to tear people down. And I, I limit the exposure um, that they have and free reign they have on social media. So my my 15-year-old daughter now doesn't have access to her phone past 9 p.m. at night until 8 o'clock the next morning. And she gets up around 6.30 a.m. And, and does some things, gets her Bible study in and, and gets her day started. And then I'll let her get on there about 8 to um, – to uh, have a conversation with some of her friends and touch base. And then while she's in school, <clears throat> but she's she does virtual school, so she's actually in my office during this time. Um, the only social media she's allowed to access, or at least we talk about, I'm not saying that she's perfect, never does, is the, um, the, the conversational platforms for her school. And then I'll let her access it at lunch. Um, she's at the lunch table with me. We have lunch every day. <clears throat> And uh, I'll let her get on there and answer some comments and do some things. And then the second half of the day, no social media. And then late in the afternoon, some. And then again, again, it's out and over by 9 p.m. So teaching her to prioritize her day and limit access to things that are distractions. Um, so in a very, very honest moment, we did not do that well with um, our oldest boy and some with our middle son. And so pornography was the thing that was introduced. And so we learned a very hard lesson about how free access all the time to social media platforms and Internet is a gateway for the enemy to destroy the minds of young men. And there just has to be accountability and safeguards put on by the parents, not out of a a desire to control your children, but out of a desire to love your children and protect them and keep them safe as much as possible. Um, So those are some of the guidelines that that we have because of some things we didn't do well. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's so scary about the Internet is pornography. I mean, when I was in grade school, if there was a kid that had a Playboy magazine, he was the man. Every, Every kid wanted to be around him. They wanted to be his friend. But they were just still photographs of naked women. And today, all these kids need to do is just Google breasts or something like that out of curiosity, and they're going to get thousands of pages of these raw, raunchy images or videos, which can be really shocking to a young person, you know, as their first introduction to any of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I get the... The access is a real issue now, and so I tried to build as much trust, and um, while I'm still their their father, I also want them to understand that I am, I am also the voice that you need to come speak to about issues. So try to keep a really open dialogue about when, when an image pops up or somebody shows you something or there's a... There's a YouTube video that they're watching in the locker room, and and all those things are real. When you're raising boys, like, that's just a reality that you have to face. It's important that the conversation is open and you create a culture where your your young men that you're raising feel safe enough to come talk to you as the father about young men issues so that you can lead and guide them. There is 100% no way to guarantee no exposure through the kid's cell phone or their friend's cell phone that they're not going to see those images at some point. Yeah, I agree, what, yeah. What is important is being able to have the conversation once that happens to help them understand why that would be detrimental to them in the long run. Well said. What about discipline, Ivy? How have you handled discipline with your kids? Were you a spanker, a timeout guy? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father? I was a spanker and a timeout guy. 
because <laughs> my kids were so different in their personalities. Um, lesson 101 we learned from going to counseling for our parenting was always have the consequences laid out before you get upset. So we had what was known as a consequence chart, and uh, each kid had one, and it was up on the refrigerator. And so, like, and you can't think of every single thing, but, like, for grades, missed chores, lying, um, we would just go down the list. And they usually were about ten things that we had a conversation about and said, okay, if you do these things, here's your consequence. And it would be grounded, depending on age, depending on personality, it would be grounded for a week, or it would be no um, video games or technology for a weekend. And for um, things that would cause them or others harm, like lying or uh, putting someone in danger, then I did reserve the right to spank. Um, but I never, I don't say I never, I probably did some because I'm totally imperfect. I tried not to ever spank if I was really mad. Um, one of the decisions we made as a parent, because I had boys and girls, is um, I never spanked my daughter. Um, my wife would spank my daughter because I'm 6'4", about 250. So what I think is light is not very light to a small-framed girl. Um, so we, we handled her a little bit different. <clears throat> but the boys definitely did, did get spanked. My middle son didn't get spanked as much because... He would want to fight, even at a young age, because he had a really bad temper. Um, so spanking didn't help him, but like timeout or taking his army men or something like that destroyed him and like got his attention way faster than a whipping. Um, so southern term there for you. Yeah, I like your philosophy there. I have four children myself. They each require a little different finesse or a different style of parenting. They couldn't be more different, and that's really what's awesome about it. Uh, but we're a month into the new year here. What type of goals do you have for yourself? What's coming up for Ivy Marsh this year? Oh, man, I have, uh, I have a vision board that's out about 10 years. So I'm, I'm, for me personally, my wife and I are going into a new season. So one of our goals relationally is to um, we're moving up to twice a year to take at least a week to 10-day marriage vacation where it's just us on an island or a beach or something somewhere. Um, to include, we'll, we'll always have family vacations, but specifically for me and her, really pressing into those <clears throat> those later years where your kids are all a little bit older and they take care of themselves. We're super excited about that. Um, my parenting goals this season as a father are learning how to transition from, hey, I'm the sole authority figure and father in my son's life to becoming more of a a tight friend with them where we do life together, we hang out, and they understand that, hey, we can have real conversations as men about real issues because one's married and 23 and one's 20 trying to navigate college. So my goal is to transition that well while maintaining the dichotomy of I don't have that with my daughter. I'm still her father, and I've got to date her so that she don't marry a moron um, and really press into that. Um, and then, like, corporately or in my job, um, you know, each one of my companies have their own goals, and they all revolve around um, expansion and revenue and your typical things. And to me, uh, while those are not easy, there's a certain amount of grace on your work life 
if your marriage and home life is in order. So I'm going to work really hard in 2019 with all that I've got going on to make sure that everybody in my life under my care is loved in the way they need to be loved in the season of life that they are in um, so that that is kept well, so that my job life is not near as stressful. Very cool. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Ivy, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to that new dad or to that about-to-be father who's out there listening? (laughs) One, you're not ready. (laughs) Honestly, the most important thing that I would tell a dad is don't sweat the small stuff because everything's not a big deal. Um, You don't have as much time as you think you have. And the most important thing you can give your children at the end of the day is to let them know and feel. Because all of us had a dad that we said, I knew he loved me, but. So love them in a way that they know that you love them and that they feel loved by you in the way they need to receive love in their personality. And the rest ultimately will take care of itself. Well said. Great advice. This has been a lot of fun. I got to say, Ivy Marsh, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, sir. All right. Back to wrap it up in a second. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. Got to give a special thank you once again to Ivy Marsh for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. And then lock it in for Wednesday's podcast. Going to have power lifter and creator of the Slingshot, Mark Bell, joining me here on the podcast. Got some awesome special announcements to make, some upcoming guests. Friday, I'm going to be dropping my third collection of Navy SEAL interviews on you in one tight little package. So keep it locked in here. Spread the word in your neighborhood. Tell all the dads in your contact list about what's going on here. We're celebrating fatherhood. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>